and we're back. This is Mike Cernovich from Danger and Play, Gorilla Mindset in New York. And it's been fun. We had a seminar a couple of weeks, not a couple of weeks ago, a couple of days ago. And it's interesting. New York is kind of sentimental for me because two years ago, I had my first ever sort of happy hour meetup, whatever you want to call. And I remember sitting in my hotel room. You know, I just announced this meetup and I thought, man, what if nobody shows up? What if nobody shows up? That'd be really embarrassing. And I, and I almost, believe it or not, didn't leave the house because I thought, well, what's the point? Nobody's going to show up. So I arrived there a little bit late and I f actually felt bad because there were already people there waiting to meet me. Uh, a lot of people showed up. It was a great night and that was kind of a game changer for me. That was when I really decided to hit this stuff hard and I thought, okay, we're on to something here. We're on to something. And now every time we do something, we do a um, do a seminar or something else, it just gets bigger and bigger. And the moral of that, I guess, is you don't know where you're going to end up until you get started. It's cliche, and a lot of what I say is just reinforcing what you what you should know, what people should have taught you, which is, hey man, I, I couldn't set a goal for what I'm doing now, but I just kept moving, I kept busy. And things keep getting bigger and bigger. But I do have a theory about life, the best way to live your life, especially if you want to do any kind of online business type thing. And I call it the inverted pyramid theory of life. Inverted pyramid. So, you you know, you imagine a triangular pyramid and you flip it upside down and it's resting on a point. So the lowest point of the pyramid is a little tiny dot. And then as you go up the pyramid, it gets wider. And that's kind of scaling up, all right? So the very bottom in life, you want to become good at something, something that can serve you as the foundation of everything else, and then you keep moving on. I built my sort of, I don't know, base of the pyramid on you know writing. I'm a good writer. But if all you are is a good writer these days, even if you're a great writer, even if you're an amazing writer, even if you're Hemingway, that doesn't mean anything. The jobs are all gone. You know, I, I've thought about doing a podcast called The Jobs Are All Gone, and then the men are all, the good men are all gone. Because a lot of women are like, Mike, you know, I have some questions for you, and thinking maybe I'll do a podcast for women, but it would be similar to the one for men. So what I would tell men is the jobs are all gone. They're gone. Um, the days of you're going to go work in a factory for 40 years and get a pension, gone. It's over. And then the way I would put that to women is, the good men are gone. Now, that doesn't mean you can't find a good man, and it doesn't mean if you're a man you can't make a living. But if you're a man – and I mean if you're a woman too, I mean fuck, dude. It's it's tough out there for everybody now. Society is definitely a mess. But the idea of finding a job is a no-go no nowadays. You have to find a way to make a job. You have to become an entrepreneur. There's no way around it. So for women, I thought about doing a podcast called like The Womanpreneur, you know. Because if you're a woman, because, you know, there's enough career advice for women out there. But the advice women aren't getting is that if you want to, you know, really have a great relationship with a man these days, you can't think of the current mindset you're in, which is, oh, I'm a woman. You know, I deserve a tall, fit man who makes a lot of money and would cater to my every whim. The media has kind of taught women um, entitlement. And th so the women are kind of looking for men like men are looking for jobs. Well, men are saying, I'm so frustrated. I can't find a job. Nobody give me a chance. Yeah. Yeah. Sucks. It's terrible. But that's the reality. And you've been trained by your elders to 
prepare for that reality, for reality that doesn't exist. And, and a lot of that's true for women. Where are all the good men? Where's the good men? Where are all the romance? Well, it's, it's just not like that anymore. You have to be a womanpreneur and you have to figure out – you have to f- treat dating like an entrepreneur would business, which means delivering value to people, adding value to people, finding a niche, you know, knowing what your audience wants. <laughs> it's, it's, it's hard, man. And I, I definitely feel for the women because you're not getting good advice. You're getting terrible advice from people. It's all about entitlement. It's all about victimization or it's all about how to be a man. Right, most of there's no danger play for women because everybody who has tried to done it, has tried to do it, just tries to teach women how to be men. So it's a tough time out there for everybody. But that's life. It's always been tough, you know. Where we the the D Day invasion, the anniversary of that came up. Read about World War One. It's just life is tough. My grandparents grew up during the Great Depression. Life has always been tough. We had a little bit of ease, a little bit of easy times, which your baby baby boomer parents grew up in. And that's why you're a mess because they prepared you for the the last war, right? They say generals fight. The current war is using the methods of the last wars and the education system teaches you how to live a life based on the methods of the last life, but the jobs are gone. So back to the inverted pyramid. Yes, that was an intentional segue or digression because you ha- you can't just be good at one thing now. You have to become good at one thing, but then you have to learn how to scale it up. Okay, I'm a writer. There's a lot of people, I'm a, a lot of people say I'm a writer and I want to make it as a writer. Well, okay, writing isn't good enough. You but that's your the bottom of the pyramid. Your writing isn't good enough. You have to learn web design, at least basic web design. Social media email list building. You have to learn how to create PDFs or how to outsource that to give people a reason to opt into your email. You have to know how to send headlines to people that they want to to, want to open, right? You have to learn a little bit about search engine optimization, which people get lost in the weeds. You want to write for people, but it's it's not that simple. There there is something to it, technique to it. And as you grow and progress, you have to keep building your way up to your pyramid because that's how you how you scale yourself, and that's how I've scaled me, all right? So right now, you know, people, most people, 75%, 85% of people who listen to this podcast have been here, you know, the first year, maybe two years. Most people are like, wow, you know, he's got a good thing going on. Yeah, I do, I do now, but I started off with a, you know, dot .wordpress.com blog. I didn't even know how to have a um, .com domain. I didn't even know, you know, I think you call it a top-level domain. I didn't even know how to do that, right? I didn't have any idea. I didn't have any idea to do a podcast. I remember when I got my podcast on iTunes, I was like, yes. I thought it was this huge accomplishment. Well, technically speaking, no, you just create an RSS feed um, through your SoundCloud or whatever, Libsyn, whatever you're doing, and you run it through iTunes. And it's actually simple. But I, I had no idea. And I was like, wow, what a technical you know feat that I've just accomplished. <laughs> it's, it's just nothing. But to me, to me, that was a big deal. You know, Getting a few podcast listens was a big deal. And I kept building it up. I kept building it up from a little dot WordPress. All right, I learned a little bit about marketing now, a little bit about search engine optimization, a little bit about brand building, a little bit about how you build your brand consistent with who you are, your your typology, right? Not fighting who you are. So my personal brand is, you know, very conflict, conflict oriented. Why? Well, people like conflict too, but I, I kinda like it, right? I like shit talk. I like locker room talk. 
I like, you know, people locker room talk to me. I locker room talk to them back. To, to me, that is enjoyable. And it, it works great for marketing. It causes conflict. People love conflict. That builds my personal brand. So a lot of my personal brand is built on a high conflict mode of dealing with things. But that, that doesn't mean you have to do that. But you do have to figure it out. You have to keep thinking about how to expand your base of operations. And, and this applies not just online but in real life. So a friend of mine, Nestor, good guy, we were met. We were talking about his businesses, and he's a mechanic. And he said, oh, yeah, I'm a mechanic, and I found this great soap that we use, and now I'm trying to sell the soap in this mechanic shop. Great. You know, great. I don't, I don't think the guy's going to become a soap, I don't know, guru or whatever you call it. But those are the kinds of mindset shifts you want to think is, well, one, I'm a mechanic. Well, now how can I own my own mechanic shop, right? And then how can I get residual sources of income? How can I get passive income? That's how you want to think. So even if you're a mechanic, you just don't want to think, okay, I have a, I have a customer come in. I fix their car. They give me money at the end. You want to think, ah, oh, you know, maybe people need a mechanic soap or maybe they need X. Maybe they need something else. Whatever that other thing is, I don't know because I'm not in everybody's business. But the mindset shifts, that's why they matter more than the specific thing I could tell you. Just the mindset shift of thinking of another way to draw a different source of income from whatever you're doing, right? That That's all really that it's about. That's all business is about. Okay, I have one little thing and then I'm going to do another thing and then I'm going to do another thing. So for me, I did Gorilla Mindset or I did Danger Play. And then I just said, well, I, you know, I'm into green juicing. I started juicing and then I said, ah, you know, there's no really – juicing website that isn't hokey pokey most juicing website is all about okay you got to have a, a juice fast to cleanse your body and it's all about woo woo stuff right where i just figured hey you could just throw in some celery kale cucumber and a lemon which doesn't have hardly any sugar and you if you eat it, it's healthy if you drink it it's healthy too so i'll debunk myths on both sides right the one myth is oh my god juicing is bad for you well, that's just a complete and total lie. It's a 100% lie because those people aren't even defining the juice. A juice could be five apples or it could be five stalks of celery, um, eight ounces of kale, and a lemon. How much sugar is in that? So the people who hate on juicing are idiots. But the people who say, okay, you know, juicing is going to cure you of all your ails, well, those people are idiots too. The truth is that getting more vegetables is a good thing. And if you can get more vegetables in an easy way, that is a good thing. So then I, I just built a little website around common sense juicing. And then that thing started taking off, making a lot of money. I actually could have made a ton of money off of that website, but I didn't really feel like it. But I, that's where I learned SEO, right? So that right away, I'm thinking, okay, I have a danger play site, and I'm going to spin off a little juicing site. And now my juicing site makes me more than a lot of people make having a rental property site. So then you start to think – Oh, well, can an online property be like a rental property, investment property, right? A lot of people say, oh, go buy real estate, you know, you draw a mortgage. Yeah, that's cool. That's a good way of thinking about life. But then I just started thinking about, well, websites as little investment properties. So now if I wanted to, you know, if I really needed to really needed the money, I could just create little knit sites about a bunch of different topics and each little knit site would bring me in a little bit of money, but then all that little bit of money adds up into something big. Same thing, Danger and Play started off just basically a sex vlog, really, because that was what I was into at the time. But then my, my themes got bigger. Okay, it's more about lifestyle. How can you you know live an amazing lifestyle as a man? And then it got more into mindset. 
All right. How can you live a better mindset? What is the mindset that people have? How can you optimize your life? Things like that, bigger picture things. So I got good at writing about meeting women. You know, it was never about meeting women. It was just more about sex. And that was the base of the pyramid. But then it got a little bit bigger, right? So, okay, not, that's the bottom of the pyramid, the inverted pyramid. Then I got a little bit bigger. Okay, let's talk about like lifestyle. Let's talk about, you know, gender relations. Let's talk about mindset. And as you can see now, right, it keeps getting broader. I'm scaling up from just a, a very niche, tiny, t tiny subject to much bigger universal themes, right? And now people don't even know, you know, what I used to write about in the beginning or people lie lie about what I write, you know, because they just have no idea. Now I'm doing films. I'm doing a documentary on free speech. Well, films, that's about as big as you can get, right? Now, obviously, Hollywood film would be the biggest, but I don't want to be that level too. So I went from, you know, writing about sex and just, you know, goofing off locker room talk. You know, my early Twitter was just locker room talk with five other guys, you know. That's why people are like, I can't believe you said that. I was like, dude, I was talking to five people and it was an inside joke. What's well, hard to believe, you know, have you have never been in a locker room? You don't know that people like exaggerate and use hyperbole and, and goof off and clown and say outrageous shit just for the fun of it, you know? That's what you do when you're tech talking with five of your buddies. But anyway, so then I got bigger, right? Got bigger. Got bigger. Now I'm making films, doing, you know, stuff in journalism. The you know, the, the media establishment is going after me, you know, lying about me. People are trying to get me disbarred. You know, calling the California State Bar on me because of my original reporting on them, trying to get me banned from Twitter, you know. So, but I started small. That That's the thing with life. You need to start small and you need to find out what you actually are good at. And then you, you launch your operations from there. If you run a business on X, so back to my buddy, the mechanic, right? He's running a mechanic business, but you know that most people who run mechanic businesses are kind of a mess. Even if they're good, they don't know anything about how to build an email list right? They don't know much about Yelp or online reputation management or anything. So I told my buddy Nestor, I was like, you know, you need to think about how could you take what you're learning and apply a formula and a system to any mechanic in the world. So then you start off as you're just a mechanic turning wrenches to you become a more sophisticated mechanic to maybe own your, your own little shop, to maybe own a couple shops, to now maybe you're the number one mechanic consultant in the world. Because then you go to other mechanic shops and say, hey, I, you know, I noticed that you guys don't have an email list and actually an email list is, an effect, is effective and you should have one. You want to be able to capture it because that also allows you to prove that you have a certain number of customers and that improves the value of your business. So if you want to sell your business, now you can prove it. You have these customers and then you want to find a way to create a process to get people coming back in or to get people referring people to your business, Right. Doesn't that make sense? So that's how you go from thinking, well, I'm just a mechanic turning a wrench to I'm th the number one consultant in you know, California and the world on how to make your mechanic business actually more profitable. And that's right. That's, and that goes to the online stuff. So even if you're in the, the brick and mortar business, which I'm not, the online stuff works. I, I had a guy, for example, he runs a body, body shop. And he just emailed me and said, hey, man, you know, I you know, I want to do a consult. People want to do consults with me, but I don't usually do them. But um, I said, well, I'll, I'll give you a quick tip because, you know, he's a longtime reader. I looked it over and I noticed that his images he uploaded, he uploads don't have tags and they don't have a URL. So if you upload a picture of a Porsche onto your website, you want that picture to say Porsche. 
2011 Carrera or whatever the hell it is with 500 horsepower because when people type – and you know this when you use Google. People type in a search. They find images and that's how Google knows what your image is. So if you ever look at my image, if you control, write, save as or if you open a new tab, you'll see that my images all are named. It'll say, you know, sometimes it's kind of trolly. Does Mike Cernovich have a girlfriend? Does Mike Cernovich get alimony? Because that's what people are Googling on the internet. So that boosts my SEO and it, you know, keeps those images. And the same thing is true when I, um, when I write about people who are bad and who are evil, I make sure that that image is saved right with keywords. So the Twitters, you know, if I save their tweets, I'll say so and so's Twitter calling whatever a bad name. Well, I, you know, I learned all that, right? And that those are techniques that a guy who's running an auto body shop can use because that's how people can find it, you know, but he doesn't know. So that's, again, how you think. That's just your theory of life. Now, a lot of people are going to say, well, how do I know when I'm good at one thing? And that's where I wrote about the 80-20 rule. <laughs> and the 80-20 rule is that you want to get good enough at something and then move on. So you get, you know, get good enough at writing. If anything, I spent too long getting really good at writing, and that probably set my progress back by two or three years. I should have just said, all right, you're you're a really good writer now. You don't need to read any more books on writing. You need to read books on marketing. And you need to read books on brand man brand awareness. And you need to start paying attention to Twitter. And you know, you need to right. I should have moved on quick enough. But I really because I didn't know, right? Here's what you you're taught. You're taught you have to get great at something and be world class. True, but you can be world class at the sum total of a bunch of different stuff. So maybe I'm not a world-class writer, but I am world-class at what I do. That's because I'm a very good writer. I'm a good researcher. I'm good with design. I'm good with you know human relationships, human dynamics. I'm good with marketing promotion. I'm good with understanding what moves people, what compels them. So I'm world-class at what I do, but what I do is based on you know that whole talent stack thing Scott Adams calls or what I call – Charles Munger calls the mental model. Call it what you will, but you learn a bunch of different stuff. Now, some people say, well, yeah, but you need to become a legitimate expert, and you know that's cool too. But if you're an entrepreneur, becoming an expert is going to hold you back in a lot of ways because here's who wants you to be an expert. If you do have a job, your boss wants you to become an expert because they only want you to know one thing. They want you to do one thing great because then you're a widget in their machine. But your boss, if you're, you know, if you have a boss – or you work at a company, that company has a lot of different moving parts, and they want everybody in that moving part to be great at something. But the person running that machine isn't great at all those things other people are doing, right? They're just good at it, or they kind of have a sense for it, or they know enough about it to um, to make it happen. As an entrepreneur, though, you want to be good at a lot of things. And you know, how do you know if you're good enough? You can debate about all, that all day, but if you're a good marketer and a good writer, then you should have a fair number of readers. So if you don't have a lot of readers and you're a writer, then either your writing isn't good or your marketing isn't good. You know what I'm saying? But you'll figure that out as you go along. As with most things in life, you'll figure it out as you go along, but you do have to go along. I had no idea I would be right now living in New York doing a documentary on free speech when two years ago I wasn't going to leave the hotel because I had a meetup, but I didn't think anybody was going to show up. That's life. Thanks for being part of it. Keep leaving those questions and comments. I do read them all. This is Mike Cernovich from Danger and Play and Gorilla Mindset.